Well, if you'll find a copy of God's Word um, and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, if you're using the Pew Bible, you'll find that on page 1,241. 1,241. This morning, we're just looking at verses 13 and 14, but to provide us some context, uh, we'll be reading verses 1 through 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. So, Father, we ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon the preacher and hearer alike. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Growing up, I went to a flea market uh, often in the little town of Santuck, Alabama. You'll miss it quickly if you blink your eyes. It's a small little place. But the first Saturday of every month, I think besides December and January, they have a flea market. And when the flea market comes, it's got to quadruple the size of this itty-bitty town. And growing up, we went to this flea market, and they had fun things like crafts and tools and leather goods and, and a lot of fun, you know, wood gifts for kids, that sort of thing. But over time, the... Um, the merchandise has changed a little bit. And now most people are selling CDs and DVDs and little Ziploc baggies, electronics, Gucci handbags, really nice sunglasses, and Alabama and Auburn merchandise. You know, it's amazing that you can sell Oakley sunglasses for $5. I mean, why go to Dr. Carl McKinnish when... You can save a whole lot of money. And you can even put them in your $15 Gucci handbag on the way out the door. Great stuff they sell. Well, in September of 2013, Homeland Security, really? Homeland Security raided the place on a Saturday morning. They got all these law enforcement folks from all over Alabama, the U.S. Marshals, the Secret Service was there. And they drove two 18-wheelers up 
And the craziest thing happened. All these vendors just started walking away from their table and blending in into the crowds. It turns out they weren't real goods, that they were counterfeit. I know that surprises you. (laughs) Do you know that the authorities seized over $2 million worth of Gucci handbags and sunglasses and Alabama and Auburn apparel, threw it in, filled up two tractor-trailer trucks. How do we know that our salvation isn't counterfeit? How do we know it's legitimate? Have you ever bought a, a real Alabama and Auburn t-shirt from Walmart? How do you know that it's sanctioned by the universities? It has a little tag on it with a holographic seal on it. I think it actually says NCAA on it. And that proves that the manufacturer paid for the right to use the name of the universities of Alabama or Auburn. Without that, it is fake. Without that seal, it is not real. Well, in our text today, we see that God places a seal on us, authenticating His possession of us, and that our redemption really is true, that it really is effective, that our sins really are forgiven, that we really belong to Him. And this seal is not just some piece of plastic, some holographic seal that it's hard to counterfeit, but you probably would be able to. It is God Himself. It is the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, who seals us until the day of our redemption. Seals are something that we use these days. In fact, as we were cleaning out uh, Palmer Home this week to get them ready to head to the Hernando campus, I came across the official seal of Palmer Home. You know, the, the old stamps that you would impress the name, the seal, on documents. And it said, official seal of Palmer Home. But back in the days before folks really knew how to read and write a lot, seals were used a whole bunch. As we think back in biblical times in ancient Egypt, Pharaoh and other authorities would use a signet ring or some kind of stamp that could be used instead of a signature. If something had been engraved in clay, carved in clay before it dried, Pharaoh or the official would take his ring, perhaps a scarab ring that was really popular back in those days, and you would place it and press it down in there, and that impression became the seal showing that it was an authentic communication of Pharaoh. Other times, perhaps you were signing a treaty, and did you know that they would actually take a piece of clay and put it on the papyrus? and then push their ring down in it, and then let it dry. Or they would seal it up with string, and then attach a whole bunch of of clay over that uh, where it's tied together, and seal it with their ring or a signet um, stamp, showing that it belonged or had been authenticated by Pharaoh. In Matthew 27, 66, we see that a seal, a Roman seal, was used at the tomb of Jesus to make sure that no one tampered with his grave. And people in the Old Testament the New Testament took seals so seriously that to break a Roman seal, the penalty was death. Seals were a big deal. So when Paul tells us that we have been sealed 
with the Holy Spirit in our text, what does he mean? We can understand it in a couple different senses. The first is that it authenticates that our salvation is real. I've used an object lesson maybe twice in preaching, but here we have the third time. This is my diploma from that blessed University of Alabama. Now, on this diploma, we have my name and the university. We have two signatures at the bottom. Um, Robert Witt, I think, president, and somebody else, I can't read, the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences. But did you know that if just with those things, this diploma would be worthless? There's something on this document that makes it official and real, and that's right here in the bottom right-hand corner, the seal of the University of Alabama. Without that seal, it would not be authentic. When the Holy Spirit, the seal, when, when the Father places the seal of the Holy Spirit upon us, He is authenticating the fact that what, is, what Christ has done for us has been applied to us. God seals us with the Holy Spirit saying your sins really are forgiven, that you have been redeemed, and that now you are a child of the living God. But another way we can understand the sealing of the Holy Spirit is to mark us as God's possession. Back in the ancient Near East, people would use seals like a signet ring in wax or clay to show that something belonged to them. The same way we might use a sharpie to write our name on something saying, this belongs to me. Um, have you ever seen the movie Toy Story? I think the fourth one just came out this weekend. In the first one, it's a, it's a great movie. Tom Hanks uh, voices uh, that cowboy name of Woody, uh, owned by Andy. And do you remember what Andy did on the bottom of Woody's boot? He took a sharpie and he wrote his name on Woody's foot, showing that Woody belonged to Andy. That's like what Christ has done with us. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit, proclaiming that you belong to me. When God seals us with the Holy Spirit, it's like what ranchers do with their cows, right? Each ranch has its own unique seal or brand that that cow was delighted to see. And whoever looks at that cow will know that that cow belongs to so-and-so ranch. Indeed, if the cow ever forgets which ranch he belongs to, he can look back on his hindquarters and see that he belongs to a particular owner. Just like we, when we forget to whom we belong, when we live in this world and go astray, we are reminded by the presence of the Holy Spirit that we are not our own, that we belong to the living God. We are called God's possession. In verse 14, if you're looking at the ESV, you'll see there's a footnote here. There's a different way you can translate it. And the NIV, I think, translates it well. It says, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession? Why do we receive a seal, the seal of the Holy Spirit? Because we belong to God. If we are Christians, if we've been made new, then we have received the seal of the Holy Spirit. 
We are His treasured possession according to Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that we are a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. We belong to God for two reasons. One, He made us. And the second, He redeems us. And so He applies to us the seal. But it's important to remember that the seal is not some inanimate object like clay or wax that'll decay and fall off. The seal is a person. It is God the Holy Spirit. When we speak of the Holy Spirit, we should not say it. We should say He. The Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. He is God, the Lord, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and He indwells within us. When a cattle owner brands his cows, the cow is in the presence of that owner with the brand just for a split second, as soon as they can get it done. And then the, the cow you know, <laughs> runs as fast as he can away from that guy. But when we are branded, when we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, we are not just in the presence of our owner just for a second. We are in His presence forever. For when we are sealed with the Holy Spirit at our conversion, the Holy Spirit comes and takes over our hearts. He dwells within us, what's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are baptized with the Holy Spirit at conversion. The Spirit is given to us to dwell forever. Um, someone texted me this week a, a beloved text from, first, uh, from Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. You know, when we read in Scripture that God is with us wherever we may go, He's speaking quite literally. This is not metaphorical language. I mean, one, He's omnipresent. God is everywhere. But in a personal sense, He dwells within us in the Holy Spirit. And it will not just be on this earth. It will be for all of eternity. For our union with Christ is through the Holy Spirit, and we will always be united to Christ. Wherever we go, whatever challenges we face, God the Holy Spirit goes with us because He dwells in us. And the Spirit now empowers us for holy living, reminds us of the Word of God, gives us a hunger for the Word, grows us in God's grace, and applies to us all the benefits of our redemption in Christ. God the Father has chosen us, the Son has died for us and achieved for us our salvation, and now the Holy Spirit works all those things and applies them into us personally. Therefore we can say and ask the question, do you feel powerless to deal with sin? God calls us to live holy lives of service to Him. He calls us to repent of our sins and to turn away from evil things that we do in our thoughts and our words and our deeds, to put away all ungodliness, to make no provision for the flesh, to flee temptation. And we can't do these things on our own. In and of ourselves, we are powerless. But my friends, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are not powerless. The Holy Spirit will cause you to walk in His statutes. The Holy Spirit will give you the strength to say no to sin. The Holy Spirit will aid you. 
We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and He will never leave. The Holy Spirit indwells every Christian. And if you are in Christ, then you have been sealed with Him. It's true what God has done for you. And you belong to Him. Well, when did this happen? The text tells us. We see this uh, in verse uh, 13. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When did it happen? At conversion. At conversion. It's something you have to wait for later. You receive the Holy Spirit at conversion. Hearing and believing are in the realm of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work calling you to salvation. It is only with the Holy Spirit opening our eyes that we can see and opening our ears that we can hear. Um, I had a, a silly example of this, VBS week. Um, I love those little captain's crackers. You know what I'm talking about? The, the buttery ones that taste so good. We had some left over from the fish fry. And so during VBS week, I'm a bit of an emotional eater. I was tired and worn out. VBS was great, but it, it you know, takes it out of you. So a few times a day, I'd go downstairs and just get me a little handful of them. And, uh, and right in front of that baggie, there was this box full of uh, gloves. And it said, uh, brown poly gloves. Poly, I guess, is what they're made out of. And I kept looking at it thinking, that didn't make any sense. Those things are clear. They're transparent. Right there, it says brown poly gloves. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I get a handful every few hours and just be looking at that box. That didn't make any sense. Finally, Wednesday afternoon, I looked at it again. And you know what it said? Blown poly gloves. (laughs) I guess you blow, I don't know, maybe it's how they make them. My eyes were opened. They weren't brown poly gloves, they were blue poly gloves. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit does to us? That we can look at the same thing, hear the same words, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, and we finally see. Praise the Lord. I've seen the light. The reason for that is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where we read, So no one comprehends the thoughts of God. No one accepts the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. In order to be sealed with the Holy Spirit, we first had to believe in the Lord Jesus, what He had done for us. We had to hear with a believing sense and see with a believing sense. The text tells us, when you heard the Word... When you heard the gospel of your salvation, the same thing, two ways of speaking the same thing, and believed, trusted in Christ for salvation, that is when you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great news that for the immature believer and the mature believer, for the thief on the cross who is a believer on earth for, you know, two, three, four, five, six hours, and someone who has walked with Jesus all their lives, it's the same thing. Sealed with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. Even that belief is a gift from God. Ephesians 2.8 tells us, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. The it's not your own doing part, the gift part, that's talking about the faith itself. 
the Spirit must work in our hearts to give us the gift of faith. So that even the believing part, we can't look at ourselves and say, hey, look what I did. It's all to the praise of His glory. Our salvation through and through belongs to God. So the Spirit comes into our heart and He opens our eyes. You know, it must be the Spirit to open our eyes. Because how could you otherwise convince someone who thought, like me, hey, I'm a great person, and all of a sudden to see that I'm actually quite evil, born in sin. That's got to take some eye-opening. That doesn't come from the flesh. The Spirit must show us and convict us of our sin and to see the need, the need for salvation. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. He opens our eyes and then we are sealed with Him. Well, The text tells us that the Spirit, our seal, the indwelling presence of the Spirit at our conversion also serves as a partial payment a guarantee, a pledge, a down payment, the earnest money of what is to come. Look at verse 14. Who is, this Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory? The ESV translates it guarantee. The NIV, I think, gets it better. says a deposit guarantee. What's going on here? When you buy a house, you showed up to the table with a certain percentage of money. And you put that money down and it goes towards that house, but your house isn't paid for, but you have possession of it. You've got to spend the next 30 years writing that check every week to finally take full possession of the house you already have possession of. Well, that's kind of what's going on here. The Greek word here actually refers to payment, partial payment for a service that's yet to be performed. Like if you hire someone to clean your carpet, they may ask for some money down. They may ask half now, half later kind of thing. Well, God has given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, earnest money. The bank, the deposit is an escrow of what is to come. We have it now, but we will have so much more. We finally take possession of our full inheritance of redemption and dwelling with the Lord forever in the new heavens and new earth. It's great being a Christian. We receive eternal life. We are empowered to fight sin. We have hope not only in this world but also in the next. We have the forgiveness of our sins. And as good as it is now, even amidst all the hardship, it'll only get better. These slight momentary afflictions are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. How do we know that it's going to happen? Well, God's paid the down payment. He's put the deposit down. He's sealed us with the Holy Spirit that we may know that one day we will receive the balance of our inheritance. How do we know it's going to happen? How do we know that God isn't going to cut us loose? What if it worked? You know, you strive to, be, uh, to walk godly all your life and then the, right before you died, God said, oh, I'm done with you. How do we know that's not going to happen? Because He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's sealed us with the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that can separate us from that love of God in Christ Jesus. We are enjoying eternal life now, but there's more to come. And those who have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, which is every believer, have been promised to receive the rest of their inheritance one day. It's a guaranteed thing. I'm reminded of that song, Signed, Sealed, Delivered. I'm yours. 
signed, sealed, then one day fully to be delivered. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Let's pray. Father, we do yearn for the return of Christ that we may take full possession of our inheritance. Until then, Lord, may we live lives that are filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by Him, anointed with unction, that we might walk in a holy way before You, serving You. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.